Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 65 of Crunch Time with the N326 deal. I'm going to be your host for today's episode. I am Tanner Dizlin, and as always, I am joined by my duo, by my companion, Sam Godsey. And we are the N326 duo. Week one of college football is in the books, and boy, did it not disappoint. We had a blocked extra point to win the game. We had uh, interception in the red zone with the clock running down. We had a team win who didn't even score a touchdown. So much went on during this week one. We are here to recap it all. Plus, NFL is on the horizon on Thursday. We're recording this on Tuesday. So two days until NFL football is back. It is an incredible time to be a football fan. So we we got all this and more on this episode of Crunch Time. So Sam, how are we doing, my man? Doing well, man. Uh, football is back. Thank God it's finally here. Uh, like you said, a um, lot of good games. Uh, one of the games I thought that was going to be close turned out to not be close at all. But overall, great weekend. Um, yeah, it's good to be back. Uh, wish Iowa did a little better, but a win's a win, right, there. Uh, I, I guess I, I don't really know <laughs> we'll see if they're able to bounce back but we'll get into that game and more later on in the episode we're going to skip over winners and losers for now because pretty much everything we're going to touch on is football related so we're going to start out just kind of recapping looking at the big games how things went down so we're going to start on Thursday night Pitt West Virginia the backyard brawl is finally back this game did not disappoint how did it go down, Sam? Golly, talk about a great way to start off the official week one of college football um, battle. It was a bloodbath in this one. Um, a lot of good football being played. Uh, Pitt came out up on top in the end of it, but was there some controversy? Of course there was. Late in the game, West Virginia was down. And uh, they threw a Hail Mary and what looked, some say looked like a catch, some didn't. To me, it didn't. But, of course, there's a lot of controversy in the first game. Couldn't have it any other way. Yeah, I know. That was a, I mean, that was a close play right as time was expiring. I believe it was a fourth down. Uh, Whether or not the ball touched the turf. I agree with Sam. To me, I thought it did, but it was, like you said, a very close call. I mean, it was awesome. Not only, like, for all the reasons you mentioned, start out the week one. It was incredible. Really, the only marquee game we got in week zero was that Nebraska-Northwestern game, and that was on a neutral site. So that you, you didn't get the college yeah. sports field. And then in this game, I mean, a huge rivalry game, the backyard brawl, which I'll touch on in a second. I mean, from the minute the – from the opening kickoff and the first touchdown, the students were in it. You saw the the blue and yellow all throughout the stadium. The, the uh, towels were waving. It was an incredible, incredible atmosphere. I remember I, I, uh, I we had, we had turned the game on. I just looked looked at you and King, and I was said I got I got goosebumps, man. It was the first like actual college atmosphere I saw in a very long time. But I would like to touch on absolutely how tragic it was that. Uh, that we didn't have this game for 11 years. I mean, the the 
universities became stubborn and decided to not schedule each other. This is a classic rivalry game. First one in 11 years. And damn it, I really hope this was a huge indication to tell them, play this game every year because it was absolutely awesome. Beautiful way to kick it off. Battle of the uh, transfer quarterbacks. That's going to be a theme in college football (laughs) this year. Everybody's a transfer. Keaton Slovis from USC to Pitt. And then uh, JT Daniels from Georgia to West Virginia. Next up, we're going to move on to the marquee game on Saturday. And we're we're moving this up because uh, I think it's safe to say this did not hold up to its marquee uh, its marquee game mantra because it was just kind of it was just kind of eh, and that yeah. game is Notre Dame and Ohio State. Take me through it, Sam. Yeah, I mean you you nailed it on the head. Everyone was expecting. At least I was expecting Ohio State to kind of just run away with this one. Always, it seems year in, year out, we see uh, Notre Dame ranked top 10. They fail to meet expectations as they do every year. And But like you said, it's kind of an eh game. Um, CJ Stroud uh, struggled quite a bit in the first half, kind of got going that second half. Um, he he was out without he was without his top receiver Jackson Smith and Jigba, but that shouldn't play a big of a factor as it did. But they managed to get it done. But I have to give props uh, to Notre Dame. Notre Dame held in there for a long uh, time. It wasn't really they were up at halftime at that point, um, but. Notre Dame impressed me for their first uh, game with their new coach. Um, but I think uh, Ryan Day got his boys ready in the second half, only holding um, Notre Dame to 72 total yards in that second half, shutting them out. And honestly, I think that's why the Buckeyes walked away victorious in this one. I mean, if you would have told me that the best unit on the field in this game would be the Ohio State defense, I probably would have punched <laughs> you in the face. I mean, between uh, we, we talked about it last episode, how many weapons Ohio State has, of course, like you said, Sam, without Jackson Smith and Jig, but does hurt, but not to this extent. I mean, only 223 yards through the air. Um, CJ Stroud looked off in that first half. Notre Dame, I mean, they only had eight, 18 passing attempts. They really seemed like they didn't want to throw the ball. Yeah. The ball on the ground a lot and real realistically wasn't all that successful with that either Ohio State defense was really really impressive and I don't know I don't know if that makes them even scarier because we now we we see their defense has the chance of controlling a game and then if their offense gets going it's what on earth yeah uh, the offense did not look as good as as a lot of college football fans expected but uh, still felt like Ohio State had decent control over this game from the way their defense was playing but yeah I just Weird, weird game. Not at all how I expected. Yeah. Sounds like that's the same case for you. Yeah. Uh, Moving on is the other headliner on Saturday, which might have been even, might have been definitely, was even worse than the Notre (laughs) Dame-Ohio State game. And this was Georgia-Oregon. I don't think we're going to spend too much time on this one because this was just dominance from beginning to end. Yeah, I mean... You you said it. Uh, Georgia ran through the Ducks. Um, I mean, I have Oregon uh, winning the Pac-12. Uh, that's not looking too hot, given Georgia's, I'd say, the best team in the country right now, deservingly so, just manhandling uh, Oregon. 
uh, Stetson Bennett, who I was never high on, and it seems a lot of folks are that way. Boy, did he look good, just shredding up that Oregon defense with all those returners, uh, returning players. Um, yeah, not not much else to add, just pure domination. Yeah, I think the only name really worth mentioning here is Stetson Bennett. Like you said, he looked incredible. And the trend with Georgia, I mean, going back to when they lost that national championship to, to Alabama, felt like they just never had the guy at quarterback. They had Jake Fromm, who had a solid year, but it always felt like he was giving the ball to the Nick Chubb, Sony Michelle duo. Let that defense do the thing. Let the running game do the thing. And you just kind of don't mess the game up. Same uh-huh. thing with JT Daniels at times, and that's kind of what Stenson Bennett was last year. That defense was yeah. so good. You talk about how many people they lost in the first round of the NFL draft from that defense. Doesn't look like that defense changed at all. They're just <laughs> as good. They're rolling out five stars like it's nothing. Golly. Six, six, seven, 350-pound nose tackles that just throw offensive linemen around like it's nothing. I mean, this team is, I mean, as we all know or expected, but – God, they they really looked good. Yeah, um, on the heels of Stetson Bennett and of course that Georgia defense. If Stetson uh, keeps this up, they might be a better team than last year. I'm dude, not afraid to I, say that. I know Stetson looked really good, and that's the thing in college football, right? Is that that how important that dynamic quarterback is? You can win without it, but when you do have it, it takes your team to a whole nother level and. An improved Stetson Bennett, like you said, can bring this Georgia team past the, the performance yeah. of last and year. It, just and his. it's not like he was doing this against some FCS school. Yeah, he was He's doing, doing, doing this number against the number 11 against, team in yeah. the country. <laughs> I, I'm sure that was a great confidence boost for Bennett because I know he's been clowned on uh, lately, but not after Saturday, uh, just obliterating that Oregon defense. Yeah, and uh, pour one out to any uh, anybody who's dumb enough to bet on Oregon. Certainly not <laughs> us. Uh, but moving on, we're going to go to one of the games I mentioned before ended with an interception in the red zone as time expired between Utah and Florida. This game, it was one that I had my eye on, and it did not disappoint. It was very fun to watch. Bring us through it. This was honestly probably my favorite game of the weekend. Um, like you said, I had my eye on it. Was like I, I think Utah's can kind of take care of business, but man, what a game from the Gators! I mean, can we talk about this Anthony Richardson just was, absolutely if you, if you bring it up, I was. dominating. I mean, people are calling for a Heisman race from him and. Deservingly so. I mean, dude went off and he played extremely well. Um, just absolutely dominant. Uh, 17 for 24 from uh, with a 70% completion rate, 168 yards. Uh, didn't throw a touchdown, but um, had 106 rushing yards, three touchdowns. He was the difference maker in that game. Uh, without a doubt, um, but you got to give it up to the Florida Gator faithful. They showed out in this one extremely. Uh, I mean, everyone says the swamp is uh, a one of the toughest places to play year in and year out, and it showed against the Utes. Uh, really helped them uh, take it to that next level. 
of uh, playing good ball. Dude, Anthony Richardson, as you said, the story of this game and that one moment in particular, you know, that two-point conversion where he pump-faked and spun out of the, the oncoming pass rusher, that that literally looked like the most college football play. The Johnny Menzel losing uh-huh. the ball, scrambling around for 10 seconds in the backfield before finding a wide-open receiver in the end zone against Alabama. Your RG3 throwing one down the middle that gets tipped up in the air and the streaking receiver catches it as he runs by. That felt like the most college football moment of all time. And uh, it was absolutely awesome. Uh, do want to give some love to uh, Tavion Thomas, the the Utah running back. He looked damn good. 23 carries, 115 yards and got in the end zone. But it, it just it was just an all around good game. Both Utah and Florida, I think, are going to have good seasons, and this was a good example why Cam Rising, quarterback for Utah, he was okay in this game. I think he'll get better as the season goes on. Florida's defense did also play pretty well, but as we've said time and time again, the story was Anthony Richardson. He looked really special. Yeah. Moving moving on to one of the only top 25 matchups so one of three on the on the week and this was arkansas against cincinnati sam what did you see from your hogs did you like uh, it? Did you not? i liked what i saw from the hogs um but i gotta give props where profits do um i thought arkansas was gonna run away with this one but cincinnati despite losing so many starters to the draft last year um played well and uh, I got to give him props, but not well enough. Um, returning starter, quarterback, K.J. Jefferson, had himself a day. Uh, threw for three touchdowns, rushed for another four. Um, it just seemed that Arkansas offense was too much for that inexperienced Cincinnati defense to handle. And that's truly why I think the Razorbacks uh, walked away with a win at home to kick off their 1-0 season. Yeah, I mean, I also want to show some love to Raheem Sanders, the uh, Arkansas running back. He had 117 yards on the ground. Um, the offense, Arkansas's offense looked good, as as we expected with Cincinnati losing so many uh, pieces even on that defense. But I, I think you hit the nail on the head, Sam, is that I was honestly, all things considered, impressed with Cincinnati. I was on the Arkansas train, too. I thought it wasn't going to be all that close. But uh, I was impressed with Cincinnati, Arkansas, just too much for them to handle. Again, another situation where the game didn't really disappoint. I think both teams will actually be quite good uh, throughout the year. So uh, nothing to hold your uh, to hang your head out if you are a Cincinnati Bearcat fan. One we'd like to forget. We got two more. One of them I (laughs) erased from my memory. so much so that I will forget to talk about it, but we'll get to that one in a second. Right now, we will stick with. I know Sam, you had said that the Oregon, Florida, or the uh, Utah, Florida game was your game of the week. I think a lot of people would would argue that this was another candidate for game of the week. This was Florida State and LSU. Yeah. Oh my God! What the hell was this finish? Yeah. Um. For those of you who don't know, um, so late in the game, LSU uh, makes a play. Was the receiver, did the receiver step out before his knees touch? Did he fumble the ball? 
all that, they score. And then, um, so it's 23 to 24. <laughs> oh, dude, I even think we can, we can even bring it back further than that when uh, Florida State took the lead 24 17. Um, then LSU got a big stop with under two minutes left, forced LSU, forced Florida State to punt. Uh, it was a it was, LSU had all the momentum, and he muffs it. Florida State cut, recovers it inside the inside the twenty five, I think. Yeah, and pretty much this game is done and dusted. Florida State moves the ball down into the red zone. They're inside the five. They're going to score touchdowns. It's going to be a two score game. It's going to be over. Wrong. They decide to pitch the ball. Classic Brian Ferentz move there, <laughs> and of course the connection went bad. Fumbled it. LSU recovered on like the. The on, on the one yard line, yeah. So with, I want to say like a minute and a half, maybe even less than that. Yeah, LSU had to go ninety nine yards, ninety nine yards to tie the game down seven. Now we pick it up. There's a play where they the refs ruled him went out of bounds. He uh, made it out of bounds. Florida State challenges. Turns out he was in bounds. They wind the clock. They have one play. Uh, LSU has one play from like the four-yard line uh, with one second left. He hits a, a slant route in the back of the end zone for a touchdown. That's 24-23. And then what happened? So LSU goes for a field goal. It's gimme. Or so we thought. Florida State blocks the PAT to hold off Brian Kelly's LSU Tigers, thus win the ball game. Moving on to two and zero for the Florida State Seminoles. LSU, in a matter of about fifteen seconds, experience the high of highs and unfortunately the low of lows. That's kind of how how that one wrapped up. I mean, that was truly unbelievable, right? I mean, I remember we were watching it. Uh, we were just going crazy. A couple of us had had uh, some some money on the line. I was a Florida State better, so I was the opposite. I experienced the low of the low <laughs> to the high of the high. But uh, absolutely incredible finish. I, I got to ask you, Sam, is, is Brian Kelly turning into, like, the most hated person in college football? Oh, absolutely. Bro, he is a grade A loser. I don't know. Trying to keep a PG here, but I would use more harsh words than that. I mean, you see exactly. his press conference at the. Uh, oh, my God. Throwing, basically saying, not only saying that the person who muffed the punt sucks, but he was saying that it was the coach's fault for not knowing that he sucked. Instead of taking responsibility and coaching. Instead, they blamed them. He blamed themselves not for not coaching him, but for not realizing he sucked and to put in someone else. Truly, truly is a grade A expletive loser. <laughs> Just I, I don't even, I don't even yeah. know this anymore. I, I really hope LSU hey. just does just really, really struggles this year <laughs> and gets that clown out of there. And it's not like he was very liked before Jordan. no no he was just <laughs> he... i i didn't really care much about I, I just didn't really like notre dame so i didn't really like him 
But now I just can't stand his face. I just get angry. I want to punch him right in the face. The he fake, uh, fake Southern loser. accents. The dancing re- with recruit videos. <laughs> what an absolute <laughs> clown. And couldn't happen to a nicer guy. Screw you, Brian Kelly. You're a loser. But that brings us right into... Iowa, South Dakota State. 7-3. game. A little low scoring, but hey, it's a football score. Touchdown and a field goal, right? Right, right, Sam? <laughs> uh, only, only could we dream of the Hawkeyes scoring a touchdown. Um, no, Taylor. See, it was two safeties. And a field goal, not a touchdown. That would be too easy. And Iowa has zero offense, none whatsoever. Absolutely abysmal. Um, I've never been so mad to be one and out. Um, yeah, that that was brutal. Watching it was, I don't. There is a laundry list of things I would rather do than watch that game again. And that includes maybe getting a root canal and watching paint dry. Um, There was a combined 286 total yards between two teams. Um, That is 142 yards per team. Absolutely awful. There were only seven first downs, seven in the game. They were a combined seven for 33 on third down and 0 for 1 on fourth down. So that's 7 for 34 on third and fourth down. There were a combined 90 rushing yards. We we talked about many players who had more than that by themselves. There was a combined 90 in this game. And there were there was a red zone turnover by Iowa. There was a really poorly thrown interception by Iowa. This was the most disgusting thing you could possibly put on a TV. Seven points from a field goal from two safeties. The uh, Iowa quite possibly had the best starting field position of any team I root for in a single game where I could remember, and they didn't score a touchdown. They missed the field goal. It was the most disgusting thing I've ever seen. Yeah, I mean, just to add on to the miserable experience we d- had on Saturday, uh, you mentioned how bad Spencer Petras played. Uh, he had, I'm pretty sure, a record low. Uh, QBR of 1.1. Yes, it can go that low. And of course, of course, an Iowa quarterback would get. But of course, our lovely coaches, the Ferentz boys, they... Mr. Petrus uh, is listening too much to the outside noise. I don't care if he's listening. Yeah, be better. It it was very clear that Manning uh, quarterback camp did not help at all. Um, But I got to get props where it is due. Um, That Iowa defense looking good as ever. Uh, Jack Campbell being the kind of head of that uh, defense as well as Mr. Punching is winning. Tory Taylor, 10 punts for 479 yards. Seven of those going in the 20 
or lower. Um, that's honestly why we want this game, the punting game. Uh, pinned them deep, got those two safeties. Without those, I don't think we win this game. Um, but abysmal. Yeah. yeah, it's Tory Taylor, Iowa punter, LeVar Woods, Iowa special teams coach, Phil Parker, Iowa defensive coordinator. Those three should those three should revolt against <laughs> Ryan Ference, against Spencer Petras, because those three deserve so much better. And even, of course, the entire defense, the entire special teams unit deserves so much better than whatever the hell they're throwing out on offense right now. But hopefully they can turn around real quick because Iowa State comes to town in the Cyhawk in the Cyhawk Trophy game. And frankly, I don't think Iowa is going to uh, fare too well if that offense plays the way they did. But that is going to wrap it up for the first half of our episode. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back on the other side. And we are back from that quick commercial break. Thank you to Anchor for sponsoring this episode. But college football, week one is over. We'll get into another week one on Thursday. NFL is back. That's right. I mean, full swing of football is back. Uh, as we said on Thursday, when the defending champion Rams take on the Bills, they did not, uh, or they did not disappoint with that Week One matchup. But we're going to go through here. We're going to look at each division, and we're going to kind of talk about the outlook of the division a little bit, what teams were liking, and go ahead and make our predictions for the playoff picture, who will win each division, and of course the three wild card teams that come along with it so without further ado we're going to get into the nfl right now we'll start in the afc let's start out east one of the teams playing on thursday in the buffalo bills sam who you got winning this division yeah i mean it's already written i mean i'm penciling them in before their matchup um i i got bills and i think it's not even gonna be close i mean uh, you see the Dolphins and some pieces and Tyree Kill, another experience, another year of Tua, but uh, and another year of Mac Jones at New England. But I mean, the Bills uh, were one of the best teams last year. I think they're going to be one of the best teams this year. I mean, they just add another weapon on that defense of Von Miller. Um, I, I think the Bills can run away with this. This may shock you, but I also have the Buffalo Bills winning this division. Believe it or not, <laughs> the odds-on Super Bowl favorite is our pick to win their division. Yeah, so we're on the I'm same shocked. page. Not much more to add. There's nothing to dislike about this team. Uh, offense looks great. Josh Allen. Uh, I do think James Cook is going to be a great addition to that running game between him and yeah. Evan Singletary. Wide receiving course, Stephon Diggs, Gabe Davis. We saw what he did in the AFC Championship game. Uh, <clears throat> or the AFC Championship or the divisional round, excuse me, uh, against the uh, against the Chiefs. But yeah, not much to add there. Completely agree. Let's go to the North, an intriguing division. We've got the Super Bowl runner-ups, Cincinnati Bengals, the fully healthy Baltimore Ravens after a team that suffered a lot of blows. The big question marks that are the Steelers and the Browns. We got one in the AFC North. Now this this one's a little more tough than the East. Um, like you said, Ravens have a lot of injury uh, coming back this year. Um, I think 
with the quarterback situation with the Browns, I think that's going to push them a little too back to start out the season. Um, and then the Steelers, I mean, they have Mitch Trubisky running helm week one. Um, I think it comes down to two teams. I think that's the Ravens and the Bengals. Um, I, I'm a big Joe Burrow guy, Jamar Chase as well. Um, I, I think they run it back again this year. I think they win the division and uh, get it done. It is 100% a two-man race right now between the Ravens and the Bengals, as you said. But I'm actually going to take the other side of that coin, and I'm going to go with Baltimore here. I, I like – I just – I'm going to like what Lamar Jackson uh, uh, brings to the table here. I, I think that defense will be much better now that they're healthy, uh, a, a healthy – J.K. Dobbins back will help that running game. I'm looking for a big thing from Rashad Bateman to step up as that wide receiver one. They did lose Hollywood Brown, but uh, I think that running game at defense is just going to be too good where they're going to be able to win that division. So I've got the Ravens here in the north. Now let's turn around and go down south. Interesting division. Uh, You've got, let's see, it's Matt Ryan, Trevor Lawrence, uh, Ryan Tannehill and Davis Mills are your quarterbacks. Which one are you putting your money on, Sam? This is by far the worst division in the NFL. It's, it's really not bad. even close. So I'm going to pick the team with the best player on their team, and that's Jonathan Taylor. I got the Colts uh, in this one. Yeah, this is the Colts to lose right now. With they have the best quarterback in Matt Ryan, they have the best running back in Jonathan Taylor, they have the best entire wide receiving core, Michael Pittman, T.Y. Hilton, all those. Two, like it, it's completely is theirs to lose. The best defense, they are easily the best team in this division. They should be a playoff playoff team this year. Missed out because they lost to the Jaguars last year. <laughs> but Matt Ryan, a little bit more consistent than Carson Wentz by a little bit. I mean a lot of it, and the Colts. <laughs> will win this division. So I, I'm I'm in agreement with you, Colts, to take it. Now let's do a 180. And how about we go to the best division in football, AFC West. Golly. Do I, do I even need to bring in the storylines? I mean, you're, you're going from those four quarterbacks to <laughs> Derek Carr, Russell Wilson, Pat Mahomes, and Justin Herbert. The Chargers got better defensively, adding Khalil Mack, J.C. Jackson. Chiefs lost Tyreek Hill. Broncos adding Russell Wilson, of course, to an already good roster, seemed to be a quarterback away. And the Raiders adding Devontae Adams to that playoff team from last year. So, <laughs> talk to uh, me. Golly, um, this is one that everyone needs to watch out for. Just, I mean, even I would consider the Raiders the worst team, and they were one possession away from making the playoffs last year or advancing. They made, that, yeah, they made that the crazy game and almost almost <laughs> beat the eventual AFC champs yeah, that's and right. added the best wide receiver in football. Just so how good is God, that? I oh my god. So I originally had the Chiefs to be honest with you, Tanner, but I I know uh, the Chargers had uh, some defensive weapons such as Khalil Mack. Um, God, this is gonna be close. Um, I I do think I'm going with the Chargers though. Um, I I really like what Justin Herbert has done. Um, love his wide receiver core surrounding him. 
I expect uh, them to take that next step with that defensive weapons they added. So I actually got the Chargers inching out this division. Damn it, Sam. <laughs> that was going – that is well, – it still is. That is my pick as well. Um, the the Chargers last year was, was all, an already good offense. Another year of Herbert in the league with the system. That wide receiving core, as you said, with Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, probably the one of the better one-two punches in the league. And then Austin Eckler, one of the best two-way backs on the ground through the air, probably the best receiving running back in the league right now. Um, that offense is going to be scary. It was pretty scary last year. It's just going to be even better this year. Mm-hmm. The defensive help is going to be absolutely Massive, Khalil Mack, J.C. Jackson, two stars at their position. I mean, Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa on opposite ends of the line. Who who on earth is stopping that? Yeah. Um, they'll be able to wreak havoc on quarterbacks. I, I really like what the Chargers have got going for them this year. So I'm going to agree, unfortunately, <laughs> that the Chargers are going to win the AFC West. So that leaves three wildcard spots. Sure. Shall we? Shall you say yours, or, and I say mine, or do we want to go one, two, three? Let's go one, two, three. One, two, three. I like it. So, who is your wild card one? So I think I think it uh, is going to come from that AFC West. Um, I th- I think I'm going to go with the Chiefs here. Um, I mean, it's Patty Mahomes. I mean, what what more do I need to say? Um, Patty Mahomes. Uh, I think he. He kind of struggled, if you could call that struggling last year. Um, but I think he bounces back. He's not going to be without. Uh, he's going to be without Tiger Kill, but I think uh, they sneak in at that uh, wild card one spot. Yeah, um, you don't need to explain it to me because I had the same damn thing. <laughs> Chiefs at wild card or at the uh, the wild card one spot. Mahomes, who I still think is the all around best quarterback in the league, with. Travis Kelsey, arguably the best tight end in the league. Yes, they lost Tyreek Hill. That will certainly hurt. They added Juju Smith-Schuster and Marquez Valdez-Scantling to be uh, to haunt the dreams of Chiefs uh, equipment managers everywhere. I mean, <laughs> Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, and Juju Smith-Schuster is a gnarly trio, but uh, those, those will be big additions with Mahomes under center. I'm expecting a big year from Juju and he's kind of going back to his prime years in uh, yeah. in Pittsburgh. But yeah, I, I got the Chiefs in this one as well. Wild card two. I uh, I have uh, your pick for the AFC North. I think uh the Ravens uh slide in at the wild card two spot. So I mean like you said live uh returning players so I got the Ravens signing in at wildcard too. I like that. I like that. Obviously, I have them winning division. My wildcard too, I'm going to stick right where I was. I'm going to stay in the AFC West, and I'm going to go with the Denver Broncos. Um, I think it's a decently popular opinion that the, the Broncos will be a very good team this year. And all around, just, just a really solid roster, pretty good defense. Good offensive weapons. Running game I'm not in love with, but Jerry Judy and Colton Sutton will be a great wide receiving duo. 
for Russell Wilson, who will come in and bring a level of talent at the quarterback position that Denver hasn't seen since Peyton Manning. So I'm liking what Denver's bringing. I don't think they'll be as good as the Chargers or the Chiefs, but I got them in that wild card two spot. Round it out, baby. Who is going to take that wild card three? My wild card three, I would have had them at wild card two, but they are just in that tougher division. I also have the Broncos. Uh, same, same reasons as he did, so I don't have much more to add. So I got the Broncos rounding out the wild card. Yeah, for my wild card three, I, I was deciding between two teams. Um, two teams that I one team that I think is drastically improved from last year, one team that mainly stayed the same, and I think will regress a little bit from last year. The team who I'm not choosing, I think will just miss out on the playoffs, is the Miami Dolphins. I think they will be a very good team, or not very good, but they they will be a good team this year and will be vying for that AFC wildcard spot. But in my seventh spot, I'm going with the defending AFC champions, the Bengals. I think they're going to kind of have a almost like a rude awakening this year um, with the Ravens being healthy again. And that division got a little bit tougher with that, with the Ravens being in there. Um, the, the Browns, I mean, when, when, I honestly don't know if they play after Deshaun Watson comes back, but obviously that's a level of talent in, in that division that wasn't there last year. And uh, I think a lot of things went right for them in the playoffs for them to be able to win that AFC, and I don't think it's going to happen this year. So, But I do think they will make the playoffs. They are still a squad, solid squad. I got faith in my, in my boy Joe Shiesty. He'll get him there. Joe Mixon, another great year after the year he had last year. And, of course, that wide receiving core that we all know is really talented with Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, all of them. So that's our AFC, man. We'll just run it through for me one more time, all the divisions, and then you're through. Yeah, so in the east side, the Bills, north, Bengals, south, Colts, west, Chargers, then uh, one, two, three, I have Chiefs, Ravens, and Broncos. And for me, East, Bills, North, Ravens, South, Colts, West, Chargers, wildcard one, Chiefs, wildcard two, Broncos, wildcard three, Bengals. Moving on to the NFC, we'll do the same order we did last time. Let's start out East. Who we got in that in that division? Yeah, this one I think is a two-man race. Um I think it's between uh, the Cowboys and the Eagles. Um, I I just like what uh, the Cowboys have a little more. I like the experience. I'm expecting uh, C.D. Land to improve on his numbers last year, especially with Michael Gallup out for a couple of games um, or TBD on that, but not playing week one against the Bucks. But I, I got the Cowboys uh, – beating this one out i agree i mean i i i do like the eagles um uh, i may get to them in the wild card section may not but uh i i just prefer the cowboys right now dak prescott another year with mccarthy um as you said expecting a big jump from cd lamb with uh with amari cooper now in cleveland uh, Michael Gallup out for a little bit. Dalton Schultz is another player that I'm really liking this year. And then, of course, that defense with with Micah Parsons 
um, in his second year. He may see a bit more double teams this this year, but <laughs> doesn't look like it mattered the way he was playing last year. So I, I do like the Cowboys in this division as well. Yeah, another uh, aspect to that explosive offense is that two one-two punch in the backfield with Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard, uh, one of the best duos uh, back there. So that will also just lead uh, the Cowboys to more victories, I think, this year. North. Yeah, so the North, uh, again, two, uh, two-team race. Um, definitely the Bears and Lions, of course. <laughs> um, Let's go. No, it's definitely between the Packers and the Vikings. Um, I'm interested. I mean, they kick off uh, week one. Um, I'm interested to see how Aaron Rodgers does without that go-to guy in Devontae. But I, I just think the Packers uh, win this division just because of Aaron Rodgers, to be honest. Yeah, no, that, that's definitely a solid pick. But you know what they say? The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Am I insane, Sam? You bet your ass I'm insane because the Vikings are running it back. That same roster, basically, with a new coaching staff. And damn it, I am bought in. This team will utilize Justin Jefferson in the Cooper Cup role under Kevin O'Connell, who came from the Sean McVay coaching tree was his offensive coordinator last year went on to win a super bowl at having a healthy dalvin cook in the backfield that offense should keyword should be one of the best ones in the league defense is was horrendous last year absolutely abysmal i'm kind of expecting more of the same i'm I'm hoping they will get a little bit better. But for me, it's that this team's strength is no longer the defense. Mike Zimmer's scheme worked in 2015, 2017, when the defense was the best unit on this team. That is no longer the case. So a defensive coach will not do anything. You need an offensive coach to bring out everything that offense can be. And that's exactly what Kevin O'Connell will do. They play do not play a division winner schedule. That would be the Packers. So they have a little bit easier schedule than the Packers. The Vikings will win the NFC North. And yes, I will probably get old takes exposed by Sam, but I do not care. I am hey, fighting I, in. Right. Hey, you said the definition of insanity is doing the same thing again and expecting the same results. I had the Vikings last year win in this division, so don't want to make that uh, mistake again. <laughs> I could never. <laughs> Let's go down south. Sorry, I needed some water after that. Uh... <laughs> After that uh, outburst, but yeah, we got in the so, so this division, um, not expecting a whole lot. Um, Panthers got better with Baker, but that X factor is Christian McCaffrey gonna be healthy. Uh, history has it, he won't be. Um, I don't know what anyone could possibly see in the Falcons, Saints. I'm not too confident in them as well. So I got Tom Brady and Buccaneers. Um, nothing too crazy there. Nothing else to say. This is really only a one-team race for me. I mean, the, the Saints will be okay. Um, but Falcons and Panthers, I think, will not be very good at all. Saints, okay. Bucks easily will win this division. I agree with you on that. Now let's head out west. Um, 
between in this division, I probably would you say this is the best in the NFC? Oh, absolutely. Okay, yeah. So, so the yeah. the West division in both cases are the best divisions in the conference. But who you got? Yeah. Um. Let's see, this one's interesting. Um. You know. Mm, um. I'm gonna go with the team that I think has the best offense and a defense that can back up that offense when it's not going. And that's the Rams. Um, I mean, Matthew Stafford, um, longtime underrated quarterback with his time in Detroit, finally got that ring last year. Um, I mean, Cooper Cup, one of the best receivers in the game right now. Um, so, yeah, I got the Rams uh, taking care of the West here. Yeah, not much to add for me as well. Super Bowl champions for a reason. You talked about that defense. Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey. And they added uh, Bobby Wagner from Seattle. They did lose Von Miller up to Buffalo, but seemingly replaced him with just yeah, with a younger Bobby Wagner. Yeah, I mean, the team is going to be ridiculous again. I'm a little worried about Matthew Stafford's shoulder. There was some uh, rumblings of a, of a shoulder injury from him. But I, I just really am not a believer. I mean, definitely not the Seahawks. They made a green. <laughs> terrible. Uh, the Cardinals, a, a disastrous offseason for the Cardinals, in, in my opinion. So, again, kind of this two-team race in between the 49ers and the Rams. Uh, I'm giving it to the Rams because of everything I just mentioned. So, we are also in agreement there. But let's go to the wild card. Wild card one. Yeah, so wild card one, I have the team that beats the Packers, and that's 49ers. I like that. I'm <laughs> always in for some 49ers love. They are quickly growing into one of my favorite teams in the <laughs> NFC that's not the Vikings. But I am going to go with the team that always loses to the 49ers. Of course, didn't <laughs> didn't have them winning the North. I do think they will be in the wild card one spot. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, I mean, is is for some reason the back-to-back MVP, even though Tom Brady outplayed him last year. But I will not get into that. As my friend Big Cat always says, Aaron Rodgers deserves to go to jail, and I agree. But he'll have to settle. I'll have to settle for the wild card one spot. Uh, wild card number two. Yeah, wild card two um, coming out of the East. And honestly, I just have them at two because they're in the easier division between my two and three spot. And that is the Philadelphia Eagles. They're really only competition is that Cowboys. uh, And I think they split between them um, within the division. So I got the Eagles coming in at two. Yeah. um, At number two, I have who you had at number one. I've got the 49ers here. Um, I see a lot of parallels between them and a team like Denver, who has just an all-around really damn good roster. It seems like they're just a quarterback away. But we haven't seen Trey Lance. We can't, I can't talk about Trey Lance. I haven't really seen him play in the NFL. Um, but Jimmy G didn't give him much last year, <laughs> right? So, And the team, all they did was go on to play in the NFC Championship game and yeah. lose to the, to the Rams. So... That defense, I mean, they showed it last year. They're just a really, really damn good defense. That running game, Debo Samuel, absolute weapon. And then add, you know, Brandon Ayuk and uh, George Kittle as pass catchers from Trey Lance. 49ers will be my wild card too, man. I think that's just too good a roster, quarterback or not, 
to to not be in that that to not make the playoffs. But round it out. Who's got the wild card three? Yeah, so this is kind of a two-man race uh, for me. It's between the Cardinals and the Vikings. And then I remember there's a new COD coming out, and I heard that affects Tyler Murray quite a bit. And with that abysmal uh, offseason, I think the Vikings uh, losing Mike Zimmer might be the best thing to ever happen to that team. I mean, Weapons on weapons, Justin Jefferson, Ab Thielen, Dalvin Cook, Kirk Cousins. I give him props. He's a good quarterback. Um, so, and then new coach, uh, branching off of that explosive Sean McVay um, coaching tree. I got the Vikings sign in at wildcard three. I love it. I love it. Yeah, it seems like we're going to have the three same three teams or same teams in the playoffs, just in a little bit different order. Because number three, I got the Eagles. Um, a playoff team last year kind of snuck their way in, got a lot better this offseason, absolutely killed the draft, got a lot better that way. Of course, traded for A.J. Brown, the star wide receiver in Tennessee. Him and Devontae Smith is quickly becoming a one of the better wide receiver duos in the league from a team that didn't have any wide receivers to now having two really, really good ones or really good ones up over in Philly. Jalen Hurts, I mean, his second year as the full starter, I'm expecting uh, a jump. He was pretty damn good last year, and only to get better using his legs and his arm, better pass catchers, as I just said. And and I think uh, through through the draft, and that defense is going to get a lot better. I mean, Jordan Davis from, from Georgia was their first oh round draft God. pick. An absolute steal. The dude is an absolute tank. And... Uh, him and Fletcher Cox in the middle of that. <laughs> That's going to be scary. It's going to be hard to block, and it's good luck running on Philly. But I have the Eagles at my number seven. So you know the drill, Sam. One through seven, run them down for me. Yeah. So East, I have the Dallas Cowboys, America's team. The North, unfortunately, I have the Packers. South, I have Tom Brady's Buccaneers. In the West, I have the Rams wildcard one. I have the 49ers wildcard two. I have the Eagles. And then wildcard three, I have the Vikings. For me, in the East, I also have America's team, the Cowboys. In the North, I got the Vikings and Kevin O'Connell we trust. <laughs> NFC South, I've got the Bucks runaway division there. In the West, I got the defending champs, the Rams wildcard one. I got the Packers, Aaron Rodgers, needs to go to jail wild card two i have the 49ers trey lance i'm interested to see what he brings this year and then in the wild card three spot i have the philadelphia eagles with the additions they made this offseason so that is our outlook on the nfl season who we expect to make the playoffs who we're looking at in each division how many teams are vying for that division realistically uh, let us know what you think we're always wanting to hear from you guys what do you think of college football uh week one who do you think is making the playoffs who's winning each division who's in the wild card tell us why aaron Rodgers needs to go to jail i <laughs> want to hear it all but to round out the episode of course we are going to pick them we now have nfl games to include onto this week's slate not much going on last week i think there are three pretty chalky games i believe we both went three and oh between Arkansas, Georgia, and Alabama. Or no, not Alabama. Arkansas, Georgia, and uh, who else did we – and Ohio State. Excuse me. Ohio, State. Ohio State. I can't even remember. But 
without further ado, we'll get into this week's pick em. Game one, we've got Tennessee ranked 24 in the nation traveling to Pitt right now. We've got we've got Tennessee minus six and a half. Sam, what do you like? Yeah, so I got I got Pitt in this one. I think they're riding high off of uh, that win last week against West Virginia. I I mean Tennessee played uh, school for the blind or something, um, and I think I think Pitt gets it done at home here. Show some respect to Ball State. Ball State hung their own. It was only 56 to 10. But I'm actually going to go with the SEC here. I'm going to go with Tennessee. Uh, Pitt did, really didn't impress me a whole lot. They did win. It was a great game. But uh, there were multiple chances for West Virginia to win that game. As we mentioned, that one pass that looked like it hit the ground still is debated to this day. However, I thought it was incomplete. But that call goes one way. They might not win. Of course, you had the pick six in that game where we went right through the West Virginia players' hands, right to the pit cornerback who ran it back for a touchdown. I was not very impressed impressed by them, even though they won. Tennessee, I kind of like the way they're looking this year. And, uh, I mean, they rolled in week one. I think they're riding high as well. They're going to come in the pit and get the win. I've got Tennessee here. Our next game is another um, top 25 matchup. This one sees Kentucky traveling to Gainesville, going to the swamp, taking on the Florida Gators, both undefeated, both top 20. Who you got? I got Florida, man. I I really liked what I saw. Uh, I mean, we talked about at length earlier in the episode. Anthony Richardson, I expect another big game from him. I got Florida in the swamp. Yeah, I mean, I think the most most said name so far on this podcast has been Anthony Richardson, and for good reason. The dude was incredible. Like you said, I expect no different. I am slightly worried about the hangover effect. I mean, if you're Florida, how could you not party all week after that game? Exactly. Um, but I still think that on the back of Anthony Richard, his legs and his arm, Florida will win, go 2-0, and they will quickly assert themselves as the second-best team in the SEC East behind Georgia and possibly vying for an upset win that game when they play each other. But I got Florida here, same as you. Not much much to add there. But lastly, in college football at least, we are going to head to a game that is near and dear to our hearts, the Cyhawk game, Iowa. State travels across the state to Iowa City to take on the Hawkeyes. Iowa State handled uh, Southeast Missouri State in week one. Iowa yet to score a (laughs) touchdown. Sam, who do we got? Uh, It it pains me to say this, but um, it might be a little emotional hedge here. And I, I think I got the Cyclones in this one. I mean... Iowa, Iowa's defense will get it done, but this, this isn't South Dakota State. This is uh, Big Twelve Iowa State, and their offense is a little better. Um, and I just didn't like anything I saw from Iowa. Keegan Johnson is again out, one of the uh, big offensive weapons for those Hawkeyes. And uh, I'm gonna play the emotional hedge. I got the Cyclones, unfortunately. <clears throat> 
Sorry, threw up in my mouth <laughs> a little bit there. Oh, man. The emotional hedge is always a good option. I'm going to read through some stats here. What each team is averaging per year. First team is Iowa State. The second team is going to be Iowa. Points per game, 42 to 7. Total yards, 469 to 166. Passing yards, 293 to 109. Rushing yards, 176 to 59. Yards allowed, 320 to 120. With all of that, somehow Iowa is favored by three and a half. That is just their way of saying Iowa will win by two safeties again. And I (laughs) believe it. I'm actually going with the Hawkeyes here. I'm confident. Oh, I'm not confident, (laughs) but I'm going to stick by my team. I think that last week was a little bit of an anomaly. I think that there was so much pressure on Brian Ferentz and that Iowa or the Iowa offense to change things up. I thought they tried to get a little bit too. They got a little bit in their own heads. They saw the result. They're going to come up with an altered game plan. Okay. more closely. Come on. Their offense was never good, but it was never this bad. Like a, a normal Iowa offense in the past couple of years, they would have beat uh, South Dakota State by three touchdowns, right? Absolutely. This was the worst Iowa offensive game I have ever seen. So with that, I think they're going to be able to revert back some of the old stuff. While not a good offense at all, they'll be at least able to get into the end zone. I think Iowa wins this game on the backs of the defense, as they always do. Switching over to the NFL Thursday night kickoff game. We got the Bills traveling to L.A., taking on defending champion Rams. Same who we got. Yeah, this one's going to be a great one. Great way to kick it off for the NFL season. Um, I expect uh, I don't really know what to expect. Both of these defenses are some of the top in the NFL, both offenses are, it's going to be a good one. Um, I'm a, I'm going to go with the Rams. I think, uh, I need Cooper cup to ball out, uh, for my fantasy team. And I think he does this week. Um, cause I need to beat my brother, Eric week one. So for that reason, I'm going to go with the Rams. The Godsey bowl is week <laughs> one. Don't worry. We will have live coverage on the Godsey bowl. Uh, next week after their matchup in fantasy football. I'm actually going to go to the other side. I'm going to go with the Bills here. Um, I think that the, the feeling within that locker room is that this is their year. They know that they might not get a chance as good as this one, so they're going to come out ready to play the addition of Von Miller, Von Miller revenge game, of course, him being a Ram last year. Um, I think that'll pay huge dividends and and the X factor is going to be Matthew Stafford's shoulder. I give the quarterback advantage to the healthy Josh Allen. And I think that is why the bills will get it done in week one. Uh, the next game, the green Bay Packers travel to Minnesota at us bank stadium to play the Vikings, the, the two man race, as we talked about in the NFC North, who we got here. Oh man! Uh, for for those of you who don't know, our former co-host Keegan uh, is a Packers fan, and Tanner is a Vikings fan. So I'm the man in the middle, and with being the man in the middle, of course I got cheer for a tie, and I think it happens for the second time since being roommates. I'm going with a tie. I respect it. I respect it. And Sam, right now, I will say, 
as we record, if they tie, I will do a punishment because that is a impressive call if you get that right. So if the Vikings and Packers tie, I'm doing a punishment. But I'm going to go with, of course, my NFC North champions, the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, I mean, the Packers and Vikings, the past like five years when each quarterback has been healthy, they've split. They've split the season. Uh, usually it goes the home team wins. That's not always the case. A few years ago, uh, uh, Minnesota traveled to Green Bay in the Dalvin Cook game, and on the backs of Dalvin took took one in in Lambeau. But usually it's at home. I think this year will be no different. I think the uh, there's hopeful feeling in Minnesota. Uh, the, the team is better. The coaching staff is better, and there's reason to look up. The players know that. The fans know that. It'll be a great environment at U.S. Bank Stadium. And uh, Packers lost Devontae. I'm not sure there's that same same uh, pep in their step uh, as an outlook to the season. So I'm going to go Minnesota here and jumpstart their way to winning the NFC North. And lastly, we are going to Sunday night. Tampa Bay Bucks travel to AT&T Stadium to take on America's team, the Cowboys. Sam, who you got? Yeah, um, this one is interesting because, like I said previously, Michael Gallup will be out for the Cowboys this one. But this whole situation with Tom Brady, um, just a lot of stuff going on with him, uh, missing practice, supposedly being on Mass Singer, uh, troubles with his girl, uh, just a whole lot. Um, and he's not playing his uh, division teams. This is a quality team with quality defense. And I just think uh, Tom's not really in game mode right now. And I think the Cowboys inch this one out. Sam, great pick. I completely agree with you. I think similar to kind of how the feeling is in Minnesota, I think there's a similar feeling in Dallas where you're the, you're the front runner for the division. Um, you've got you've just got a really good team on your hands now. you got a big statement game week one. Tom Brady, is he practicing? Is he not? What's he doing? A lot of internal tension there. Like you said, I'm not exactly sure he's in game mode. Similar to kind of how the Packers were in week one last week when they played the Saints and they just looked flat. Didn't look like they were ready to play at all. Uh, And I think that's going to be a similar situation with Tampa Bay. So I'm going to go with Dallas. I completely agree with you. That's going to wrap it up for episode 65 of Crunch Time. Congrats. You have made it to the end. Make sure to let us know. We always want to hear from you. Who's making the playoffs? Who's in the wild card? What did you think of week one? What are you looking for in week one of NFL? What are you looking for in week two of college football? Let us know. You can follow Sam on Twitter at? SamGodC29. And my Instagram, if you want to throw me a follow there. Sam underscore Godsey 21. And me on Twitter at Tanner at T Dizzlin 22. <laughs> and then on Instagram also at T Dizzlin 22. Same handle there. But meanwhile, you can follow the podcast on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram at crunchtime underscore pod. The clock has run out on this episode, but we'll see you in the next one on Crunch Time.